Welcome to the Serpent Soul Podcast, where we explore our identity before God and our relationship with God. I'm your host, Kenneth Grady, and I pray that we will be fed by the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, and living with passion for the will of God. And in so doing, may we raise each other up as we lay ourselves down before the Lord. This is the Servant Soul Podcast. So today I want to take some time and think about the struggle with a repetitive sin or addiction. And first I want to take a look at some of what, you know, the wisdom of the world teaches us. And a lot of what I've learned as I've studied with, you know, how to deal with these issues from counselors or recovery groups, things like that, is there's a lot of focus on looking back. Um, you know, whether it's understanding things from your childhood or, you know, coming to understand how basically you are a victim of the human condition and that, you know, there's really no victory over these things in our lives, only abstinence. And that causes us to focus on behaviors because we can't change who we are. And then we also look today at the half-truth of the church which I, I feel was taught a lot, you know, in good intentions that, you know, we just flee from temptation. Like James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Most of us are taught, you know, to overcome evil in our lives. We must simply pray for help, turn our back on temptation and run. And as 1 Corinthians ten thirteen says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So again, we see this model that we must simply look for the exit when tempted and run for it. But to be honest, in my own life, I've, I've really found this to be a broken system. And what I mean is that when I've tried to exercise these strategies or models um, on my battle with temptation and addiction, you know, I've found them to be less than effective. And I'm not wanting to challenge scripture here. I mean, hear me carefully. So, you know, while fleeing with, you know, while fleeing from temptation is a biblical principle, it's really only effective in the short term. Any addict or Christian with a repetitive sin problem can attest to the fact that. And when constantly hammered time and time again with temptation, eventually the ability to run is overtaken by the desire of the flesh. And as I've exercised the flee from sin or understand my sin models, uh, I have had good experiences and made progress in some ways. So I don't want to just dump on those tools, which many, including myself, have found helpful. But I have found little lasting success from these ideas alone. And I've been turned back to scripture to dig a little deeper into how one really lives a godly life consistently. And scripture is true. I do believe that God does indeed provide a way of escape from the temptations that we face. So the question is, what's the missing piece? There has to be more to overcoming sin than running from it. When so many of us sincerely try that and fail time and time again, and I've been reading a book with a dear friend the last couple of weeks called Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave. And I would recommend it to any Christian, really, whether you feel that you struggle with addiction or not. 
because you know one thing is really honed in on is this general condition of one's heart and how our actions correlate directly with that condition and as i've thought about that i've spent some time you know meditated on a few scriptures that i feel complete the picture of the model for overcoming sin and the first point really comes down to stop running from what you don't want and start running towards what you do. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now I know this seems overly simple, but I, I do believe this is where we truly go astray in our battle with sin. You know, we're like the children of Israel as they leave Egypt. They thought about the food that they had in Egypt. They thought about their homes. They thought about the gods they used to worship. They thought about the work. They thought about the oppression. They thought about everything they left behind instead of where they were going. And they did the first work of fleeing a bad situation in faith. They took that leap of faith and walked out into the wilderness. And we never usually give them credit for that. I mean, they left everything and hit the road. So they started out right. And they found their way of escape, and they took it. So where did they go wrong? And as you read the story, it appears that what happened was they only held what they were fleeing from in their hearts. You know, when we face temptation and we start running, that's only the first step. Next, we have to deal with some natural questions that we probably don't even consciously process most of the time. Uh, and how long do we have to run? How far do we have to run? To where are we running? Do we ever go back? Shortly after fleeing temptation, we start weighing out the difference between where we are and where we are fleeing from. The Israelites started realizing that Egypt was better than the wilderness, and in a lot of ways it was. Running is exhausting. It isn't fun. Sin does have its pleasure, albeit temporary, but running from temptation isn't pleasurable at all. This is why we must have our hearts centered on what we are running towards. Between the where we were and the where we want to go is a wasteland or wilderness called where we are. If we don't have the prize before us mounted securely on the windshield of our heart, what we see in the rearview mirror will always be more gratifying than the process of fleeing from temptation. Our energy to flee from temptation may start out strong, but that energy is finite. And when we reach the point that we need rest, many of us fall flat on our back, right into the sin behaviors that we have depleted our energy running from. And here's the main point that I want to make from 2 Timothy 2.22. Yes, flee from the youthful lusts. But to be successful, we must transition to pursuing righteousness. Again, it says, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. If the magnet of our affections remains behind us, when we rest from fleeing, we will be dragged back by the truth of our heart. And if the magnet of our affection lies before us, when we rest, we will fall forward into the faith, love, and peace of our God. So, how do we pursue righteousness? And this is where I've really struggled in my battles with sin. And this is also where, as I said earlier, the, the world's wisdom falls short of God's word. So much of what I've been guided to do in my life, like I said, is to reflect on my childhood, to keep a journal, write the story of my life, to dive deep into what has brought me to where I am and 
diagnose myself in a way. And there is a value there for some people. I'm not a doctor, and I certainly don't want to insult the work that may have helped someone else. But please hear this point. What God has for us is not in the past. He didn't hide the promised land somewhere secret in the wilderness so the children of Israel could look back through all their failures and find the needed truth in their history. God set the promised land before them and told them to go get it. The problem was that they couldn't set their hearts on what was before them instead of what was behind them. And it wasn't until they wanted God in the promised land more than they wanted Egypt that they were really freed from the bondage of the wilderness. So I'll give this biblical metaphor to wind this down. Temptation is being in the wilderness. Being in the wilderness is awful, and we can only take so much. And the fact is, we will leave the wilderness one way or another, because as moral beings, we require rest. And there are only two ways out of the wilderness. Either relax back into the sin we walked away from, or press on to the prize before us. So which way do we pitch our tent? We aren't complicated beings. We do what we want. We do what we want. The ability to move forward through the wilderness will depend entirely on where we have set the desires of our heart. No willpower, no support team, no habit stacking, no routine will ever win against the desires of our heart. But the awesome thing is that temptation is powerless over love. When our heart is full of what is righteous, the voice of hunger is silenced. You know, avoiding the snack machine of Satan isn't hard when I'm sitting at the banquet of God. So when I struggle with sin, it's not a self-control problem. It's a love problem. I'm loving what the world has to offer more than what God offers. And if I want to make it through the wilderness, I have to be willing to let God change my heart. I have to let God be the focus of my heart. I have to love the God before me more than the world behind me. We can't outrun our hunger. God designed us to be hungry. We can only choose with what our hunger is satisfied. Philippians 4 verses 79 say, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Amen. Thanks for listening. And until next time, may we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen.